told Tim if I preach too long, come over and give me a kiss on the cheek. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully I'll shut her down by the time he comes over to plant that one. Um, you guys, we are starting the I Am series, you know, in the New Testament, all in the Gospel of John. Jesus makes, a lot of people say seven I Am statements. There are actually eight. Eight. Eight I Am statements. And today we're going to be focusing on I Am the Bread of Life. But before we get there, I just wanted to confess to you guys something. I have sinned in my eating. When I was little, y'all, we used to eat junk food. And part of it was maybe we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, that's something, talk about privilege, like people that have a lot of money can eat healthy food. And people that don't have a lot of money usually end up eating the stuff that's kind of the fork over knives stuff, the terrible stuff. But this is some of the stuff I ate when I was a kid. Breakfast, Cap'n Crunch. Y'all, I ate 1,000 bowls, 10,000 bowls of Cap'n Crunch. Uh, for lunch, same thing every day, peanut butter and jelly. Uh, or maybe about once a week, my mom would throw in Vienna sausages with mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, used to take a pack of nabs. And some of y'all that aren't as old as me didn't live in the South, you don't know where nabs came from. You think, that's, isn't that cute? Nabs come from Nabisco. It's like Nabisco crackers, right? So you give me a pack of nabs. Uh, what else did we eat that was gross? Uh, my family ate a lot of fish sticks. The frozen ones, you know, eh. A lot of people say, I don't like fish. I'm like, well, that's because you eat Long John Silver's or you eat fish sticks. I mean, if you try real fish, it's actually pretty good. Um, how about this? McDonald fish sandwiches. Those are healthy. Eat those. Here's one for everybody over 60. Space food sticks. Do you remember that? Thank you. Thank you. That's pretty disgusting. How about this? Pixie sticks. Remember those long straws? Of, it's just sugar with some color in them. Hey, Mom, how you doing? Are you great? Are you great, great. Uh, cotton candy. Caramel creams. Do you know those things? Little, they're kind of brown. They get a little white center. Oh, they're heavenly. Um, Pop-Tarts. Did y'all have those for breakfast? Yeah, those are, those are healthy. This is a special we, we had with our kids, bagel bites. Those were great. I used to eat the heck out of those bagel bites, little pizza bagel bites. They were awesome. Uh, TV dinners. Yeah. Annette's dad, Mr. Fleet, still, still, hi, Big Al, uh, he still eats TV dinners. He loves TV dinners because it's all there for you. Moon pies, Cokes, chili dogs, Slurpees. Now, what about you? What, did you eat junk like that? Can you remember, like, one particular thing you ate that was a really not very nutritional? John, go. Twinkies. Twinkies, yes. Oh, Twinkies. Nat, you're next. Ho-hos, yes, ho-hos. What else? Food that you ate that's not nutritional. Slim Jims. Yeah, those are, yeah, those are pretty disgusting. Is this meat? I'm not sure. Anybody else? You get the idea, right? You get the idea. You get the idea. We eat all this terrible stuff. You know, it's almost like we didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. People weren't that healthy back in those days. We didn't know any better. And it wasn't until we were slowly introduced to good, healthy food that we began to make changes, put away that stuff that's terrible for you, really terrible for you, and actually eat good food. If you had told me 20 years ago that I would eat homemade hummus, I would laugh at you. And now I eat it, I sneak and eat it for fun, hummus, right? And the point is, it wasn't until we knew there was something better that we would give up this gross junk food. This stuff is nothing but sugars and dead calories. And um, yeah, so did I tell you when I was 13, I had, I don't know, sorry, I was 12, I went to the dentist and I'd had almost no cavities my whole life. But when I was, I think it was 12, I had 13 in one visit from eating junk food, right? 
And so you see, this is kind of a metaphor for our spiritual lives. Uh, we spend time and money trying to find, we spend time and we spend money trying to find meaning and purpose and peace, shalom, right? We try to do that. We spend a lot of money and effort and time and energy trying to get that. Uh, but we, we often go to the things that actually don't help us but actually hurt us, right? It's almost like we don't know any better. We go after this stuff trying to find the peace and joy and shalom and meaning in our lives. But these things are fool's gold and they'll never work. And then we don't, we don't chase after the things that really give life and the, the things that give meaning. Here in John 6, Jesus makes the outrageous claim that he alone, he alone is the one who can satisfy the deep hungers that we actually have. He alone. He alone. Now, before we uh, get into the passage, and we actually do want to get into the Bible passage. That's what we do here. Uh, first, you know we're in a series. It's called I Am. And you might remember, hmm, I am, I am. Where did that come from? We know Jesus in the Gospel of John only. In the Gospel of John, said it eight times. But that's not where the I am statement started. Where did they start? Do you remember? Oh, pull out your Bible. Okay, so we're in Exodus chapter 3. And we're on page Pew Bible. I'm sure about three of y'all have the Pew Bible. That's great. Um, Exodus 3, beginning at uh, verse 13. Exodus 3, beginning. Oh, here it is. And so God's doing this amazing work. He's just spoken to Moses in the burning bush. And he's going to ask Moses to go do some things on his behalf. And it says, and then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, drum roll please, God's name, the name above all names, the holy name, the name that in, in Hebrew, really the names would give the identity of the person, like Ichabod, the glory is departed, Right? Jesus or Joshua, he saves. And so to know someone's name was to know who they were, to know their identity. And so when God says, when Moses goes to God and says, hey, God, I need to know, I need to tell him who's sending me. And what does he say? God says to Moses, okay, you want to know my name? I'll give it to you. I am. I am is sending you. He, he says specifically, I am who I am. Is that not a crazy name? My wife reminds me, Quig, Quig, your name is Quig, so never make fun of anybody else's name. But Moses says to God, God, who shall I tell him is sending me? And he says, I am that I am. I am. How do you explain a name like that? That name's so big, so vast, it's beyond explaining. That's exactly the point. It's a name that speaks of life. I am. Like he always was. And so that's who he said is sinning. If you want to know where the I am statements come from, that's where they come from, Exodus 3. It is the name of God. So every Jew, now the secular mind, and a lot of people that sit in churches today would have no idea because they don't read their Bibles, but you know it because you, you do read your Bibles and you know the story. And so in God, uh, the Gospel of John, when Jesus says the eight I am's, when he says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep, or some say the gate. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, then the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Did, did you see a common occurrence there? I am, I am, I am, I am. When Jesus is claiming to be all these things, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the resurrection of the life, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and life, and the true vine, he prefaces it with, I am. And while the secular mind may miss that, you won't miss that. And the Pharisees didn't miss it. We know they didn't miss what he was saying because the Bible records they picked up stones ready to kill him. And eventually they plotted his death and they did kill him. To any Jew that had read God's word, he knew or she knew that when somebody used the phrase, the holy phrase, I am, that is claiming deity or divinity, claiming that you are in fact God. And so when Jesus makes these statements, please understand it is literally a punch in the nose to the Pharisees. He, he's not hiding who he is at all at this point. When he says, I am, he's screaming to them, I am God. I am divine. And for a man to say that, if he wasn't, he'd have to be a Lord, if he was, or a liar or a lunatic. Okay, so let's go to the passage itself. Do you have your Bibles? Let's go there. All right. He says in verse 25 uh, of, of John, he says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi or teacher, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, you guys are seeking me not because you saw, uh, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And so as we dive into the first part of this passage, Jesus is saying, the reason you're coming after me is not for spiritual reasons, because you ate, ate your fill of the loaves. And so what is Jesus pointing back towards? It's there in your Bible, but you probably remember. What's just happened? The feeding of the 5,000, exactly right. And so Jesus is saying, like, you guys are coming after me not because you want to be with me. You just want, you just want food. It's free cheese day, right? Reminds me when I was a kid, I worked, uh, went to Kanawa Pool. My mother would take me there for swim team, and we'd be there all day. We'd do swim team, and we'd do dive team, and we'd do tennis team, and we'd do swim team again. We were there all day, and it was amazing. But we had a little place there called the Shia Shack. Everybody from Collegiate wants you to hear that, the Shia Shack. And they had an ice cream sandwich machine. And normally, I don't know what the price was. It was probably, you know, a dime back in those days. A dime, yes, a dime, a dime. But one day, the ice cream machine was just moving all day long. And I hadn't been to UVA. I hadn't been to the Naval Academy. I hadn't been to places with an honor code. I just knew it was free ice cream. And a bunch of six- and seven-year-old kids were going there and sticking their little fingers in there and pulling out ice cream sandwiches. It was a conveyor belt of ice cream sandwiches, right? I just wanted the free stuff. That was stealing. That was sin. But you get the point. The Pharisees just wanted the free stuff. They just wanted to have their fill. Or, and, and they said, Rabbi... It wasn't the Pharisees, actually, was it? It says, they found him on the other side of the sea, and they, the disciples, said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw the signs, the miracles, the powerful kingdom miracles of God, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then Jesus goes down in the next verse. Look there. He goes down the next verse, and he says, do not work for food that perishes, but... For the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, you really need to put your thinking caps on here. It says, do not work 
for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man will give you. Do you see some contrast going on here? So the first one is, look in verse 27, third word, do not what? Do not what? Do not work. So on one hand, you're holding Jesus saying, don't work, don't strive, don't work for food that perishes. And in the last part of the phrase, he says that the Son of Man will give to you. So you have them trying to work for it, earn it, do it the old-fashioned way, as Smith Barney says, we're going to earn it. They're working for it. And he's contrasting it with something that the Son of Man will actually give to you. But there's another contrast here. The food he says not to work for is food that what? All that stuff I ate and I mentioned in the first part of the sermon, right? No, it's, it's food. He says, don't, don't spend your time, your energy, all your money working for food that perishes, but rather for food that does what? Endures. And so you have another contrast. Applying yourself for something that perishes, here today, gone to Maui, right? As, as opposed to something that um, you lay up in heaven, like lay up your treasures in heaven. Work for things that endure. Work for things that last. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is, I think this is worth the price of admission. Jesus says, um, don't be knuckleheads. Don't be knuckleheads. You tweet that. Don't be knuckleheads. Don't work for fool's gold. Like, really? Jesus is very practical. Don't work for fool's gold. And he says, don't waste your time and money on stuff that always leaves you empty and actually prevents you from getting the, the, the one thing that actually can bring Shalom, they can actually feed you, right? He says, so don't make foolish investments. Don't invest in fool's gold, right? Don't work hard for those things, but rather receive the gift that God will give you. Something that will endure, something that will endure. And I see in this the very heart of the gospel, right? So he's saying, basically religion says what? Every religion in the world except for Christianity says the same thing. What do they say? They answer the problem of how do we get right with God? How do we get right with God? And the way they all say in in different ways, the way they say to get right by God is do X, Y, and Z, and don't do A, B, and C. And then God will look at you and see your good works and go, come on in, you qualify. But that's that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. You can strive and strive and strive, and he says, Those are dead works. Those are empty works, right? Receive my son. The one work you can do is to believe on him who the father has sent. It's the only good work you can do. Now, a lot of you, if you grew up Baptist or maybe in a stricter, more conservative uh, sect or or denomination of Christianity, you would rightfully say, well, Quig, what about Ephesians 2.10 that says we are God's workmanship, created by him and for him for good works. And what about James 2? Where in James 2, James is saying, basically, you can talk all day about this great faith you have, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't bear fruit, right? If it doesn't bear fruit, then it's, it's no faith at all, right? And so I understand we're not undoing Ephesians 2.10, right? We are to walk in those good works God has prepared for us. And, and, and our works really are a litmus test, they really do tell a tale or a story that we are, in fact, children of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But what those things are not 
are things that qualify us to be sons and daughters of God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 make it so clear. We are saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith and not works, lest any man should boast. And the scripture says, just to be sure, it's not of yourself. And so does God have good works for Christians, people who've already been made sons or daughters to walk in? You bet. Lucy Addison might be one of them. Right, Shannon? Amen. Care Portal might be another one. Ridiculous that in our city, with all the Lord has given us, and we pray at every meal, oh, Lord, please help the hungry. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. It's actually a blessing. Have you done it before? I know many of you have. It's a blessing. And so Ephesians 2.10 and, and James 2 are, yes, calling us to walk in the good works, but we only do that after the Lord has brought us in, saved us by grace. Let's keep going in the passage. Verse 30. So they said to him, hey, Jesus, what sign, what sign do you do um, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? You know, in case you don't remember, Jesus, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. and He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my father. See, basically what the Pharisees are doing right here is they're like, hey, Jesus, hey, you need to basically prove yourself. So we've seen the miracles. That's all great. But you really need to prove yourselves. We want signs. We want signs. And, you know, the great Moses gave us amazing signs. The, the, the Pharisees are basically saying Moses brought down this, this manna, this bread from heaven so that we could eat. And Jesus should have said, yeah, and you complained the whole time. Right? Yeah. So, Anyway, what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, that's, he says, actually, you're mistaken. The bread that you got, the, the, the bread that our forefathers got, actually, Moses didn't give it to him. Our father gave it to him. And now the father has sent true bread from heaven. Right in your presence stands true bread from heaven. In other words, Jesus, without bat batting an eye, is saying, um, you want me to do parlor tricks for you? Let me just say something to you. The true bread that comes from our Father in heaven is not falling from the sky. That true bread is a person, and that person is me, the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. Now, time's a wasting, I see. I don't want to get kissed. Let's, uh, let's go down to verse 35. Jesus said to them, I didn't want to miss this passage because this is the theme of the passage. It would be terrible if you didn't get to that. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Well, I know that's not literally true because I'm thirsty now. Right? We know that Christians can get thirsty. We know Christians, God's people, can even be hungry, right? We know that. We've seen it. Right? So you've got to understand what the Lord's saying and what he's not saying here. He's not saying that just because you're one of his kids, you'll never have a day where you don't miss a meal. You'll never, he's not guaranteeing that you're going to eat three squares the rest of your life. He's not guaranteeing if you go up to Mason's Knob and you forget your water that you will not thirst. But he's talking about a spiritual food, a spiritual feeding. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he said, if you come to me, um, you will not hunger. 
And if you believe in me, you will never thirst. He's basically, this is a money verse. And what he's saying is, I am everything you need. I'm everything you need. I kept thinking this week about Jesus saying, I am, okay, I got it, you're God. I am, big deal. It is a big deal. But when he says, I am what? I'm the bread of life. And I kept thinking about just as I used to eat junk food and I didn't even know what I was missing, how often, even those in the body of Christ, we say Jesus is Lord, we say Savior, we raise our hands, all this, but really we're like, hey, I'll get my own bread, thank you. I'll, I'll just provide for myself the things I need. Because, God, I'm not really sure you're going to come through. What God is saying, everything you need is here. The Bible says you have everything in Christ. You have everything you need for life and godliness. That's what Jesus says. Now, you may not believe that. You may choose not to believe that. But, but I would just say, okay, then, then walk the other direction and see how it works for you. But Jesus says, if you want to have security, if you want to have meaning, if you want to have life, if you want to be in relationship with the Father, it comes through me and only by me. If you want to have shalom in your life, some of y'all want some shalom, let's be honest, we're all on edge here on day, what is it, 139 of COVID? He's going to kiss me. I better land it. Okay. <laughs> okay, that, that Cessna is coming right on down. The point is this, friends. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I want to ask you this. In the midst of all that you're working for and all that you're spending your money on and all that you're giving your love and affection to and for, are you starving? Are you starving? You know, they tell us a lie. It's like, when you receive Christ, everything's, you know, roses and puppies. But what I want to tell you is you can be a Christian and still be starving to death because in your mind you look to Christ as the bread of life, but practically you don't. And what I want to tell you this morning is the Lord brings you what you could never work for yourself. Peace, shalom, meaning. And it comes through a person, Jesus, the bread of life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.